The Parnell Inquiry and Another Butchery From the New York Times, November 10, 1888 Recorded for LibriVox.org by Leanne Howlett Exciting London Events The Parnell Inquiry and Another Butchery By Commercial Cable from Our Own Correspondent London, November 9th from today's proceedings of the Parnell Commission, it seems likely that the inquiry hereafter will go on in a cloud of sparks knocked out by partisan conflict. The Irish members are deeply indignant at the persistent pro-Times rulings of Justice Hannon, and only less vexed with their English lawyers, who have so tamely accepted these rulings without protest. The mutterings against this supineness have finally grown so loud that Sir Charles Russell was today impelled to try a sharp fall with Justice Hannon. The incident was exciting at the time, but it is most interesting as presaging a partisan struggle from this out, with the great probability of somebody going to prison for contempt of court. The most eligible candidate for this distinction appears at present to be William O'Brien, who this week attacks the Commission in United Ireland as a one-sided fraud. The discovery today of the Seventh Whitechapel murder, this time believed to have been committed in broad daylight and involving the most terrible wholesale mutilation it is possible to imagine, overshadows all other topics in the London mind tonight. Bloodhounds are out, but I am unable to learn at this hour that they have discovered anything. The conclusion is now universal that the assassin is a periodic lunatic who, unless detected at once, is likely to commit a fresh series of crimes within a few days before his frenzy passes away. Also. London, November 9th. At 11 o'clock this morning, the body of a woman cut into pieces was discovered in a house on Dorset Street, Spitalfields. The police are endeavoring to track the murderer with the aid of bloodhounds. The appearance of the body was frightful, and the mutilation was even greater than in the previous cases. The head had been severed and placed beneath one of the arms. The ears and nose had been cut off. The body had been disemboweled and the flesh was torn from the thighs. Some of the organs were missing. The skin had been torn off the forehead and cheeks. One hand had been pushed into the stomach. The victim, like all the others, was disreputable. She was married and her husband was a porter. They lived together at spasmodic intervals. Her name is believed to have been Lizzie Fisher, but to most of the habitués of the haunts she visited she was known as Mary Jane. She had a room in the house where she was murdered. She carried a latch key, and no one knows at what hour she entered the house last night, and probably no one saw the man who accompanied her. Therefore, it is hardly likely that he will ever be identified. He might easily have left the house at any time between one and six o'clock this morning without attracting attention. The doctors who have examined the body refuse to make any statement until the inquest is held. Three bloodhounds belonging to private citizens were taken to the place and put on the scent of the murderer, but they were unable to keep it for any great distance, and all hope of running the assassin down with their assistance will have to be abandoned. The murdered woman told a companion last evening that she was without money and would commit suicide if she did not obtain a supply. It has been learned that a man, respectably dressed, accosted the victim and offered her money. They went to her lodgings on the second floor of the Dorset Street house. No noise was heard during the night, and nothing was known of the murder until the landlady went to the room early this morning to ask for her rent. The first thing she saw on entering the room were the woman's breasts and viscera lying on a table. Dorset Street is short and narrow, and is situated close to Mitre Square and Hanbury Street. In the House of Commons today, Mr. Conabare asked the question whether, if it was true that another woman had been murdered in London, General Warren, the chief of the Metropolitan Police, ought not to be superseded by an officer accustomed to investigate crime. The question was greeted by cries of, Oh! Oh! The Speaker called, Order! Order! and said that notice must be given of the question in the usual way. Mr. Conabare replied, I have given private notice. 
the Speaker, the notice must be made in writing. Mr. Cunningham Graham then asked whether General Warren had already resigned, to which Mr. Smith, the government leader, replied no. End of article. This recording is in the public domain.